Burning Zozo Written by Kristen Knight Narrated by Nancy Peterson Six point two. Possession. Andy stood holding the door handle to service entrance one, whispering, Calm down, calm down, calm down. You can do this. Her body had become used to the ride up the hill now, so the fact that her heart was bashing against her ribs like a bumper car and sweat was sprouting on her forehead was suspicious. After a few deep breaths and a sleeve against her brow, she pulled out her walkie and pushed the button. Mr. Chen, sir, she said. It's Andy. I'm a little early and was wondering if you could let me in and what you'd like me to start on. Oh, Andy, Chen's voice answered, layered with noisy traffic. I'm on my way to the pharmacy. I'll be back in ten minutes. Why don't you start on the dojo? It hasn't been cleaned in a while. One moment, I'll open the door from my phone. Okay, she said, and the door clicked. She peered around the corners to see if anyone was in the hallway. She could hear ice chunking out of the fridge in the kitchen. Probably Martin, she thought, then breathed deep and scurried to the elevator. She pressed the B button hard and jiggled it, but the elevator stayed still. Popping open the keypad, she tried the eight-digit pattern she'd seen Chen use so many times before. He starts left. She pressed the one key. Then right. She tried three. And so on through the pattern. And down up, she said. The door stayed closed. She tried the same pattern again, but this time, starting with the four key, then the seven. Nothing. Then she tried each number down the center of the pad. Still nothing. The next row. Nothing. Come on, she said, pounding the metal walls. The elevator shook, and her pounding bellowed through the shaft. She held out her hands and looked up. Beneath the grated tiles above her head was a security camera watching her. No, she whispered and froze against the elevator wall. Andy, Chen's electronic voice sliced the air. She fumbled with the phone. It clattered to the floor. Scooping it up, she pressed the button and said, Yes, here. I'm here. I'm back. I'm going to make a phone call. I'll meet you in the office in five. We need to talk. Yes, sir. All right. Quickly, she pushed the open doors button. They slid wide, and the house blew her humid, icy breath over Andy. She shivered and hugged herself as she walked the cavernous hallway to Arius's office. She scanned the room her eyes running over the roof-high windows surrounded by dark wood panels, the thick, swirled oil paintings on canvas, two wall sconces with blue-white pupils and albino glass lids, 
four tufted leather couches, a black agate coffee table on a white alpaca rug. Then her eyes rested on the countless rows of locked zebra wood cabinets against the wall. She searched the ceiling for a camera but couldn't see one, so she hurried to the cabinets. She tugged each handle. Four rows in, one opened. She shuffled through the files. Contracts, contracts, more contracts. Then she pulled one out. The name at the top was a Hollywood actress, A-List. Next to her blue ink signature was a messier, maroon version that was flaking in spots. So that's what the test strips were for. He makes them sign in blood, she whispered. She wanted to read the terms but was running out of time, so she slid the contract back into the file folder and closed the door. Two minutes. Where is the hair? Where? She rubbed her face. Where would he lock up his troph? She whirled around. Carefully, she swung back the Picasso behind the desk. Highly polished, the shine on the black safe reflected her wide hazel eyes back to her. She tried one of the eight-digit combos, mimicking Chen. Then she pressed down on the handle. No movement. She stepped back. Then she saw them. Like a phone or remote control keypad, the numbers had letters beneath them. Of course, words, she said. What words would he use? What words would a crazy man who thought he was Cain use as a code? There were no letters under the one, so she started with the four. It could start with a G, an H, or an I, she whispered, then crossed the pad to the three. Next could be an D, an E, or an F. Then down to six. M-N-O. She used her fingers to keep track of the order. G-D. No. G-E. Yes, the vowel would be next. G-E-M. Maybe. G-E-N. Wait. Jen. The memory of illuminated Bibles flashed in her mind, all opened to the same bloody story. Genesis 4. Quickly, Andy keyed in the digits, then pressed down on the handle. It clicked and opened. She pulled open drawer after drawer, running her hand across the innards. Stock certificates, some cash, keys, and coins were in one. Stacks of velvet boxes and jewels in another. As she ran her hand across the fourth drawer, she felt something metal and cold. She recognized the shape and slid her finger through the trigger. She considered taking it with her. Just then, the AC turned on, and a vent above her banged with the compression from the cold. It startled her from her trance, and she slowly slid her hand from the gun. In the bottom drawer were buckskin bundles, dozens of them. She pulled out the drawer and laid it on the desk. 
a long, familiar bundle lay on top of the others. Placing it on the desk, she opened one of the smaller packets. Something dropped to the desk, a piece of hide with white, soft fur on the back. The next bundle held a small black hoof, another, a tail. As she turned the tail in her hand, trying to understand, she heard, What do you think you're doing? Chen stood in the doorway. I was just, she stammered, I was curious about, ah. Uh. He lumbered toward her with fierce eyes. She ducked as he approached, afraid of the worst. But he didn't hit her. Instead, he stepped around the desk, then opened and closed each drawer in the safe, checking the contents. When he was done, he grabbed her hand that still held a tiny white tail. Drop it. Drop that now, he demanded and turned her palm. The tail fell to the desk. Then he stepped back. Okay, I'm going to need a good explanation in the next ten seconds. His nose flared. I, uh, um, she stuttered and looked down at the mess she'd made. Bits of lamb and buckskin lay strewn across the lacquered desk. She couldn't breathe or think as her eyes searched the tabletop. They landed on the long, slim bundle she'd set aside, and her heart skipped a beat. She picked it up and said, I was looking for this. Chen folded his arms. Why? Because, she turned the bundle in her hands, I've decided I'll do it. I'll perform the sacrifice. 6.3 Perjury Arius pawed Andy's hands like a hungry cat as she sat beside him on his sweat-soaked sheets. Thank you, Andy. I can't tell you how much this means to me. She tried to pull away slowly, so he wouldn't notice she could no longer stand his touch. So, the Zozobra burning is tonight, correct? Arius pushed himself up on the pillows with newfound energy. How many attend? A few thousand. Seated? Chen asked, concern carving his brow. Most people stand in the field, but some bring lawn chairs, blankets, that kind of thing. The Zozobra sits at the top of the cement bleachers. There's usually some music, and then they turn out all the lights in the stadium and torch him. He's huge, over 50 feet tall, so it takes a little time for him to burn through. Is there anything to muffle the sound, should the sacrifice scream out? No music during the burning, but they have someone groaning over loudspeakers. Plus, the crowd is cheering almost the entire time. It's pretty creepy. Perfect, Arius nodded. That sounds perfect. One thing I don't understand is why the sacrifice can't be done in a less violent way like with poison. The rules are very clear. It must mimic the original killing. 
Any variation will void the contract. Chen turned the hilt toward Andy. Here, take it. She gripped the leather-wrapped hilt, nearly gagging at the smell of rancid leather. Chen turned his back to her. Now take your free hand and feel just under my left shoulder blade. Here? He felt her touch his muscled back. Yes, that's right. He turned around. That's where you'll put in the knife. But, he held up a finger, and this is key. You must push it in at an angle to stop the heart, at least 30 degrees up. If you don't, you could just injure the person. What if I hit a rib? The knife will do most of the work for you, but just in case, look for a petite woman or girl. They'll have less muscle and smaller ribs than a man. How will I know if they have tattoos? Look for someone in a tank top and shorts. Someone under 18. She rubbed her brow to hide the look of disgust on her face. Okay. Chen read the motion as confusion and explained, Not every parent will give permission for a tattoo to a minor. Odds are better with someone young. Now let's have you try the knife. Follow me. Chen led Andy down to the walk-in fridges by the ballroom. The strange smell of Freon mixed with blood filled the air. Inside hung two sides of beef. See, you push the knife in at an angle like this and pull it out quickly. Chen jammed the knife upwards between two ribs. The shape of the blade does enough damage, so you should only need one hit. Here, you try it. He handed Andy the knife. She took it, hesitating. The moment seemed oddly familiar. She recalled a scene from her father's beloved Rocky, 1976, where Rocky trains for a fight by punching sides of beef in a butcher shop. Only in this scene, she was the butcher, and her opponent would not make it out alive. Go ahead. Try, Chen prodded. She pointed the knife at the ribs, leaned in, and stabbed. The blade slid easily into the meat. She left it there and stepped back, rancid disgust roiling in her belly. Chen pulled it out. Good. You see, it's not as hard as it looks. He turned the hilt toward Andy. Try again. She held up her hands. No, thanks. I'm good. All right. Just remember, it's all about the angle. Back in Arius's room, Chen handed Andy a black nylon messenger bag. Here is the bag you'll use tonight, and a list of the contents. The paper read, 1. Hand sanitizer wipes. 2. Practice knife. 3. Black towel. 4. Plastic case for lock of hair. 5. Scissors. 6. Ziploc bag for knife. 
You'll need to practice the smoothest way to remove the scissors, cut the hair, place the hair in the bag, pull out the knife, then drop it in the bag. It should take you less than 15 seconds start to finish. And don't worry about wiping the knife. Just stash it and go. What happens if I get caught? You won't. Arius brushed back his hair. In all the years we've done this, we've never once had a rider caught. A rider? Andy said. It's what we call a helper, Chen said. So you've done this before? Used someone else? Arius coughed. Only when I'm too weak to handle it myself. I'll send a car for you tonight. Chen's voice was dry and intense. He spoke faster with each instruction he gave. Expect the driver at 8.30. Wear a black shirt and pants in case blood spills on you. Once the task is complete, leave immediately. The car will be waiting for you on Bishop's Lodge and will bring you directly back here. Do not lose the bag under any circumstances. Wear it across your body to be sure. Understand? Andy took the bag, slung it over her shoulder and tucked her hands behind it like a muff so Chen couldn't see them trembling. Come on, time to go. Chen led Andy to service entrance, too. I just need to remind you not to say a word to anyone about this. Not even a hint. Of course, she said, trying not to make eye contact. Andy, look at me. Chen held her shoulders. I'm serious, he said. If you tell anyone, I won't be able to protect you from him. Andy peered in his tired brown eyes and said, Chen, why are you doing this? Chen squared his shoulders, ready to recite a speech like the first day they'd met. Then she said, Tell me the real truth. If I'm going to do this, I need to know. His shoulders slumped. Because if I don't help him, he'll hurt my family. He looked down at Andy's black shoes, covered in coral dust, then at her fidgeting hands. The words, he knows, he knows, he knows, I know he knows, battered her mind like fighting rams. She cleared her throat. Did he threaten you? I tried to break free once, and he took my daughter. Like kidnapped? No. Chen's face dropped. He influenced her, convinced her that life was not worth living. He planted dark thoughts about herself, her future. I didn't even realize it was going on until it was too late. She was certain. He looked off into the distance, remembering. Then one Wednesday afternoon, she filled her pockets with rocks and walked into the river. And you think it was all his doing? You haven't watched him work like I have, Andy. So you, of course, you don't understand. 
Arius Adams's power doesn't lie in his ability to create like most people think. His real power, his only power, lies in his ability to manipulate what already exists. Like a master chess player, he skillfully influences money, markets, goods, and people, sometimes for abundance and sometimes destruction. Even here, he pointed at his temple, and here, he pointed at his chest. Whether or not you believe his story, you better believe he holds the power to destroy you. As the words, destroy you, left Chen's lips, they seemed to form something real and hard in his throat. Like the barrel of a gun, they hung there, a cold metal gag. He coughed it up. What do you owe him for that was so big? I took something from one of my clients. Something very valuable. My mother needed surgery and I didn't have the money. When he discovered I'd stolen from him, he threatened to send me to prison. Chen leaned against the door jam. I was my family's only moneymaker. I took care of my wife, as well as my parents, aunt, and grandparents. If I went to prison, it would devastate all of them. Arius cleaned up the mess for me. What do you mean, cleaned up? The client never talked. Arius talked him out of it? No. The night I told Arius about my problem, my client was bitten by a scorpion. By morning, he was dead. Could that have been coincidence? Did he leave a window open? Scorpions don't live in that part of China in the wild. It had to have been planted. He gazed into her eyes, unblinking. You need to hear me on this, Andy. You can't beat him, and trying won't be worth it. He'll come after you. Then the destruction will ripple out onto the people around you. Ten, one hundred, one thousand at a time. Andy clutched the messenger bag to her chest and closed her eyes. What if I can't do it, Chen? When the time comes, what if I choke? I'll be there, watching, to make sure you don't. Chen waited, reading her face to see if his words had cut deep enough. They seemed to, so he stepped back into the house and closed the door. Agent Tate met Andy in an unmarked Mustang. How did it go? he asked. You find his stash? No, she said, mopping sweat from her brow. And you're going to be mad. Why is that? Because I did something really stupid, 